This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to another episode of the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. I am your host, Brandon, and I am joined, as always, by Josh. Josh, how are you today? I am doing well, Brandon. How are you? I'm good. We're back from the long, uh, exciting international break coming off of <laughs> Game Week 9, mm-hmm. the uh, game week of the poor captaining of Graciano Pele. He finally stopped... <laughs> uh, Per per your record with him last season, as soon as you got Pella in, he stopped producing. Yeah. So, so the cooler off level chilling effect that I had on him. Yeah, you are the FPL cooler. First, it was Kolarov earlier this season. You brought him in, and he he hasn't got a single clean sheet since you brought him in. Nor is I don't he think I had a point from him. Right? Was it maybe two points in one game? I think it was zero zero two zero. So um, I think we both burned points going into game week nine. Well, which, yeah. which is I know a lot. I know a lot of managers out there burn points. But what's interesting is both of us had two frees going into the international break. So you'd think we'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I I had the you know I made the exact same error four weeks ago, which is that I just I, I think that I you know I'm I'm too I'm too obsessed with. With with like you know I'm trying to climb up the rankings right now you know and so when you, when you give me two weeks it's just like a week too long for me to outthink myself and sort of like try to be really clever or go for differential moves and you know the smart like so that I, I made sort of two like I made one move with my brain and one move with my heart this week the or the or whatever my like my gut maybe not my heart sure. uh, I don't love Wilfred Bowen that much it wasn't from the heart. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy. But I picked up Wilfred Boney, and I picked he's up. He's got that uh, cool sort of like wide stance walk, which I find very charming. Oh, he, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I don't know if I tweeted this out or if I just thought that I should tweet this out. Uh, he, he is by far. I mean, he's got to be the slowest player in the Premier League. <laughs> he may have rickets. I am not entirely sure. It's amazing. There were all these Man City drives where they're like 
screaming down the flanks and like the camera, you know, like it widens out and you can see the whole field and Boney is nowhere to be found. <laughs> and he finally 10, 15 seconds later, <laughs> he's he just trundling up the pitch like here I here comes Boney. <laughs> and he even scored a goal in the Yaya Torre mold that kind of like falls over the like fell over while he was doing it. You know, it's <laughs> there's something in, there's something on the water there in the Ivory Coast, I suppose. Yeah, well, are you referencing the fact that apparently he had malaria in the offseason? Wait, was this his, was this his like, Michael Jordan's flu game? This was Boney's malaria game? Well, apparently he had malaria during preseason training, and this is why he started poorly. It was just revealed after that. I think he was, like, waiting for his first good game to admit this so that it didn't sound like he was making excuses. So are you telling me that Man City isn't requiring that these guys get take their malaria pills when they travel <laughs> abroad? Because, listen, I just spent two weeks in India last February, and you better believe I was pumping that malaria uh, detox into my system. Yeah, seriously. Um, so anyway, uh, so I brought, it, I brought in Boney, who, brought, who I really should have kept it. I, I had enough... Like recklessness to bring him in. That's a, that's a, that's hindsight talking. Don't mm-hmm. say you that's should hindsight. have captained Boney. Yeah. He no, wasn't even true. a he wasn't a guaranteed start. No, that's true. Uh, and then so I brought in Boney. I brought in Pele, who we talked about extensively in the podcast. Seemed like the best candidate to. He almost picked up an assist. Uh, had a couple opportunities. Actually, he could have scored on that second um, Southampton goal. He uh, just missed it. You know, it came off the post. Yeah. And or I don't know if it came off the post or if it just fell down into. Um, the defender's feet. Either way, it was um, you know, nearly a goal. Uh, so Boney works out uh, fantastically. I'm very excited to have him now, actually, too, because now that it looks like he's in form, I'm not. I you know I don't expect big returns in the um, in the Manchester derby, but then the next two fixtures after that are, are great fixtures. Um, and you know, as long as Aguero's out, I mean, you, you have an, you have an eight million, basically the only forward option on that team. Um, eight million Man City forwards. So yeah, and he'll he'll just benefit from that ball being being moved around by the Man City midfield because basically his his main function as a human is a finishing machine. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I mean, it's he really. I mean, actually, he, he actually should have had nineteen points instead of sixteen because uh, he um, had an assist or you know or what what should have been an assist to um, Ahi. Do you know how to say this guy's name? Ahi Nacho. Yeah, that seems fine. Uh, Ahinico? Can we just call him Nacho? Yeah, let's call him let's call him Kalichi Nacho. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which sounds like a great combination of uh fruit and uh an appetizer. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds like a yeah. A it, it sounds like we're trying to make fun of him, which I'm which I'm not trying to do. Anyway, he had a he had a great pass. Uh Nacho Nacho was uh flagged for being offside even though he wasn't offside. Uh, so, but once I, you know, I, I knew I'd bank 16 with Boney, so I wasn't going to, I mean, that, that's similar, to how, I, that's similar to how I felt watching the, uh, Swansea Stoke game when IU had the, uh, back heel assist to Shelby who pinged this shot off the inside of the far post and yeah. somehow this ball comes back out of the goal. I thought that might've been far enough in that they were going to, um, that like the little watch on the the you know the ref's watch was well. Be I think so, I think I guess if it pings out, it's if, not if it yeah if it comes out, there's there's no way it's crossed the line. Like right. how does it cross the line and come out? No, of course it just you know I yeah it was, it was incredible how close that was. Uh, so anyway, uh, so so Boney was the was the heart decision, and then Pele was the kind of stat brain decision and just everything indicated that he was he was the player to bring and everybody brought him in this week right i right. mean i think he was transferred in by um 
Yeah, 485,000 people brought him in this week. <laughs> uh, I mean, out of 3.3 million players, that is an incredible number. I mean, that, you know, that is the shocking, shocking number. So the, who was your third transfer that you ultimately ended up burning yeah. four points on? So I brought in Zabaleta, and I, I don't really even know what I was thinking. I, I was just, first of all, I shouldn't have burned a transfer at all, because burn, burning a transfer for a defender is just suicide. It's just a, ter- it's, it's really a mistake. I mean, you can argue that, you're, that you know, that you're making a long-term move, um, you know, that like, I mean, the Zabaleta thing could pay off long-term, you know? Um, so I, I won't, I won't cast too, you know, I want, and actually he looked really dangerous in the game and he, he had, you know, he had a great assist to the assist on the first, uh, um, the the ball that, that kind of fell to Boney and then he tapped it over to Raheem Sterling. Right. Okay. So, um, you so, you officially yeah, so I got two from him, and you officially renamed your team Kindergarten Klopp, uh, just to <laughs> no, reiterate no, Klopp, from last Klopp and a half. Oh, Klopp and a half, right? <laughs> so uh, so where did Klopp and a half finish on game week nine? Uh, I said finish on sixty points. Uh, I suppose you could say fifty six minus four points. So you grossed fifty six. I grossed fifty six, a perfectly re- respectable scoreline. You're above average. The average if was fifty one. Yeah. The another one of these sort of head heart decisions that I. You know, if it, if I had one week to make to make a decision, I would have just I would have captained Alexis Sanchez. He was yeah. the player I planned on captaining. He was the logical choice with Aguero out. He's in great form. He's you know he scored uh, while he was playing for Chile. He's been scoring you know every game in the in the Premier League. Um, but similar to um, similar to Boney, there was it wasn't a one hundred percent certainty that he was going to start given the international travel. Yeah. I, would, I think I would have captained Sanchez. I ended up captaining De Bruyne, who we'll, we'll get to my transfers in a moment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, had Sanchez been a guaranteed start, I mean, they were playing Watford, not exactly the toughest task. You could see Sanchez starting on the bench, and your captaincy blows up in your face. Yeah, that, that's what. And he started. He's come from the bench before, off an international break, and it, it just it seemed like the, the the most sensible move was to start Pele. You know, been been playing very well. Great underlying stats. Scored for Italy. Um, playing against a Leicester team that has not kept a clean sheet all year. Um, so I, I'm not like I'm not too annoyed about it. But it was just that a lot of the other captain options came off this week. Um, so it was a little, you know, honestly, it was just a, it was a strange week because I got, um, you know, I got two clean sheets. Um, I got let's see, one, two, four goals and two assists. And I finished with 60 points, and it just seems it was a little disappointing that I got a negative one from Russell Martin. I mean, if you were um, to have this kind of point haul in the first five weeks, you would have been loving it. Yeah, I would have been loving it. Yeah. So it was a really I'm just glad this game week is over. (laughs) The the two weeks off, uh, there, there was just too much going on. Yeah. It was too stressful. All yeah. so many injuries and so much. You know, it was un- like you didn't know if Kolarov was was a confirmed out until the last minute. It looked like yeah. he was probably fine. Yeah. Uh, and then you know now he's training again. So what what um what had been said a couple weeks ago, which that he wasn't gonna be ready for the Manchester Derby, now it doesn't seem like it's true anymore. Um, so it was just like I'm just I want I'm glad the stress is over. <laughs> well, I actually I beat you in our head to head. So I have, uh, after nine weeks, I go uh, five wins to your four, which is very pleasing. But somehow my game week felt a little unearned because if you go back and listen to the last episode of Always Cheating, you gave me some transfer advice, which, you know, frankly was really good advice and i couldn't not take it and i kind of <laughs> felt gross when i ultimately made those transfers if you recall i brought in de bruyne and vardy getting rid of um aguero and 
Mark Albrighton, which allowed me to get Vardy in. Mm-hmm. And then um, who was my other transfer that I ended up? Oh, and then Sanchez out for Hazard. Mm-hmm. So that, that all combined to get me uh, 63 net and a transfer <laughs> penalty at 59 for 59 gross. So right. here, uh, the BK Broilers, I thought, see, I had one of those uh, game weeks where after Saturday I was flying high. Like everything seemed to be working out when um, – I got two goals from Jamie Vardy, really feeling it. And I went up to, I was in the 300,000 range overall. And then the next two games, Sunday you had Norwich and Newcastle, and then Monday's Swansea Stoke, just totally reset. And I fell like 100,000 spots just based on me netting three points over the, those yeah. next two games. I couldn't even check my rankings after that. It was just, I, <laughs> it was just too depressing. Let's see. So right now I'm at 414,703, 442 points overall. That's really not that bad. Which, you know, given that I'm, I think I'm only about 20 points behind you, maybe a little less than that, actually. Maybe more like think, 18 yeah, points. 18 or 19. Um, and I'm at I'm at 690 overall, which which isn't a, pl- a place that I'm necessarily comfortable being in. But given that I was somewhere around like 2.7 million uh, after game week two, uh, and I, I think I have four four green arrows in a row, so the the long march back to respectability. <laughs> and if 18 points is enough to get you up 200,000 spots, then that doesn't seem too uh, discouraging. No, no, it's it's going to be a long road, and we're we're hardly on our way yet. Um, yeah. So that's, I think number one, number this is you know I was I was thinking about this uh, before we recorded the podcast, and I think you know we're, we're about a quarter of the way through the season right now, and this this is the time of the year where you have to you have to recalibrate your expectations a little bit. You know, yeah, I had you a, have to re-goal. You know, I, yeah, just like I you know so last year I finished um, fifteen thirty right like just outside the top fifteen hundred. Um, so this this year the goal I was you know as ambitious as possible. I said yeah I want to finish at least in the top one thousand. Try to get in the top like two hundred. Right, and in hindsight, that seems insane. Yeah, uh, but you know, you want to aim high at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. uh, so now, after nine weeks, obviously, I'm not going to finish number one. Um, it's going to be a struggle to finish number one in the Hail Cheaters League. Um, yeah. you know, it's just, you know. So now, now the goal is, you know, just keep climbing up, finish at least in the top 100k, um, which should be doable. Top top 50 seems very doable. Um, top 50k. Top 50K. I mean, we're talking, you yeah, know, we still got, 30, top, we got 29 weeks left. Yeah, top 100K is always like the, the minimal goal. I haven't finished outside the top 100,000 since the first year that we started playing this, and I had no idea how to play the game, basically. Right. Right. Uh, so that's the state of the union for always cheating. Let's give the rundown of what we're going to talk about. You know, we here both had pretty good weeks. I don't. We, it was like I have like a very like there was like a sadness like in that in that opening segment. For we we strive for perfection, and <laughs> our right. our listeners expect nothing less. <laughs> um, so speaking of before, because we... you basically just said I made two transfers that worked out super well, but because you told me to make those transfers, you suggested I make those transfers. Hey, like it was it was almost like. It's like we're playing this larger game. Like, uh, who's the better fantasy Premier League manager, me or you? I'm going to stop you right there, Josh. And I'm going to (laughs) say you're exactly right. And, I mean, that shouldn't – we shouldn't even have to put too fine a point on that. No. We're we're not playing this for points totals. We're playing this just to beat people. Right. And nor is there any debate about who the better player is anyway. The guy guy who finishes number one in the entire FPL isn't like, oh, man, I'm really satisfied. I was really targeting – 3,200 points this season. No, the guy the guy is targeting <laughs> one more point than whoever is in second, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. All right. So let's 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 get in. Let's take a look at the Hail Cheaters League, Brandon. All right, Josh. How are we doing with the Hail Cheaters League after nine weeks? All right. So we have uh, we've got another fifty eight managers this week, which brings us to one hundred and fifty seven total. Amazing. Welcome everybody. Yeah. Thank. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks for joining. Um, the top ten. There's actually quite a bit of shakeup in the top ten. Uh, Colin Bothwell remains pretty pretty substantially on top. Um, he is um, he had scored 67 points. He's on 569 total. I think he did move just a little bit outside the top 100. Yeah, he's ranked 175 now. Okay, so he's, he's ranked a, a terrible 175 in the world. <laughs> Major it's, disappointments for him. Really? You could do better, Colin. Yeah, come on, Colin. He, he started Cameron Jerome up front, which uh, might not have been part of his master plan there. Yeah, you know, and I had been, as, as you know, started in week three or week four, I mean, I am like the leader of the DMRC Mobicani bandwagon. I knew this was this guy was going. This guy is he scored at every every you, know, every league he's played in. You have a uh, you don't you have a T shirt that has Mubakani like in the Shea Guevara sort of silhouette? <laughs> Actually, it's one of those. It's a it's like a million images, like a million tiny images of Mubakani. That make that up form, one giant that, No, that actually they just form one Bob Dylan. Or Bob, <laughs> I was guessing, I was going to guess Yoda. <laughs> I actually I meant to say Bob Marley, that I said I said Bob Dylan for some reason. Which oh, is same difference. Even even funnier, like the idea of a million DMRC Mubi County swarming one like early like, <laughs> like Jewish free, Wisconsinite wheeling Bob Dylan era. Sure. Yeah, look. Uh, so he is so Isle of Mabumbu has moved back into second place. Um, gear Gear Meld. I think it's probably maybe how you say yeah, his name. That, that sounds about right. Uh, he's at five forty three, and then uh, Stone Cold Stunners are now in third. That's Mark Johnson's team. Uh, Hippo FC in fourth. Pat Vivat. Um, so it's pretty tightly clustered. And then uh, Yam Yam uh, Hugh Patrick Campbell. You can only say that fast. You can't say Yam Yam. You got no. You got to say Yam Yam. Yeah. Uh, I really is, want a third Yam Yam there. So Yam Yam Yam. So he's at uh, five twenty eight. Uh, actually tied with. Um, with uh, the Axe Murders, who are also at 528. That's a so, real, real pleasant name. Yeah. The, the highest score uh, was um, uh, Yippie Kabai. Uh, and this has to be, hands down, the, the new best name in the Hail Cheaters Mini League. That is a fantastic name. A diehard reference, clearly. And we did get confirmation <laughs> of the Stone Cold, Stone Cold Stunners. That is a Steve Austin reference. So yeah. Yippie Kabai, mother yeah. leapers. And I think if the if the if, if the diehard prequel does actually come out as rumor, then I think you might have changed his name in, in protest. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So he, I, I'm curious. Though. Okay. So let's let, we'll, we'll drill down just a little bit here. So yeah, I've got his. Yeah, scored 105 points. Yeah. Uh, guess guess how somebody's going to get break 100 this yeah, week? Yeah. Yeah. There's really only one, one. Yeah. Two things had to happen. One was he had to make the right captain choice. There were a couple obvious ones, or not. not I shouldn't say obvious ones. Uh, but Diego Costa, who. Well, you know, I, I would say that we were not on the Diego Costa bandwagon. I mean, I would. I well, you you definitely pinpointed him last week as a someone who a, could a, score. Yeah, certainly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you but, kept seem to you seem to keep circling back to him for some reason. I I had this moment on Friday where I I was I was certain that I should have brought in Diego Costa. You know, just I was trying to find ways to fit Costa into my team that made sense, and um, and then ultimately I just decided I I wanted to bring in Boney who. Had the same kind of risky feel, but would give me two million that I could use later, yeah. uh, which probably ended up turning Gomis into um, Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, and I'd much uh, rather bet on that Man City team than this Chelsea team. I mean, they they managed to pull out a two a two uh, yeah two nothing win against Villa, but it was hardly convincing, and that yeah. team is riddled with problems. 
So, um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Costa scored a goal and assist, had three bonus points. Um, yeah, we'll see if he can keep it up. I mean, obviously, if he can, then he's a, you know, uh, you know, the rarest of things, which is a like a consistent striker on a good team who's also a differential. Um, you know, that, that does not come around very often. So, no. uh, but it still seems a little risky. The fixtures coming up for Chelsea are not. Um, they're okay. Away to West Ham, home to Liverpool, away to Stoke. They're not. You know, they're not like it's hard to get too excited about that. But, you know, again, 11 million striker, you know, but he did play and they didn't score. They didn't score, you know, today's Champions League game either. So uh, it seems like the consistently consistency still isn't quite there with that team. Yeah, it's hard to tell if Chelsea smells like burning tires or burning trash right now. It's- yeah. So we'll get into that in a minute. But just to finish uh, the, our tribute to Yippie Kabai. Uh, basically, he's got everybody you'd want right now. I know uh, this midfield yeah. is blowing my mind. Like yeah. my face is melting. My Hill, who I'm, I'm still kicking myself by not bringing in my wild card. Um, just so I know they had you know a couple bad weeks, but so consistent this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, Hector Bellerin, uh, Johan Kabai, who is so undervalued um, at six point five million. Um, Kabai's yeah nine fourteen and nine in the last three games from Kabai. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, he does some of that point tally relies on Crystal Palace getting penalties, though they seem very capable of getting penalties. It it yeah. it, it is a, a a point of worry. Um, and then you know twenty five from Wijnaldum, and that was the that was the big difference. And then Wijnaldum thing, I, I guess. Well. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, did you? I, we we can get, we're going to get into this in just a second, but I didn't realize anybody had this guy. I mean, looking back at his numbers, it's not bad, you know. I mean, he yeah, had, you know, two goals and an assist coming into this game week, but with there so many these, with so many other midfield options out there heading into this game week or the last couple, I, you know, I don't think we've even talked about him in the podcast as an option. Well, no, because why would we be talking about any Newcastle asset apart from cool guy cruel? Uh, <laughs> poor, poor cruel. It is, it is a cruel world, and we're just living in it. <laughs> but um, yeah, to bet on any Newcastle player, even after this game, uh, again, we're going to talk. We're going to touch upon Newcastle in just a moment. I guess um, we can go. We, we, let's go right into it. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, Newcastle. Um, they are just incredibly inconsistent. They were one of the worst teams in the league going into this game week. Um, they lost their uh, stalwart keeper who kept them in many a game this season and seasons past. Mm-hmm. And they are just an ill-disciplined team. Uh, I was pleased to see Czech Teode back in the lineup because it, it's, I mean, the best drinking game to play if you really want to get drunk is, you know, take a shot every time Teode lunges into an ill-timed tackle and or take a square on on when he's going to get his first yellow card. Yeah. Uh, so, and he was true to form. And uh, and in particular, Musa Sissoko. Uh, that's a guy who he's kind of guaranteed to have three to four um, really stunning weeks in a season. Uh, but then he will be the invisible man for the rest of the season. And I pity you if you invested in him. <laughs> now, I will say the player that I had talked about bringing in a couple weeks ago on the podcast uh, before – the Aguero uh, injury kind of upended everybody's team uh, was um, Ayose Perez, who uh, picked up 10 points uh, this game week. Um, so, OK, so here's the thing about Newcastle is, I mean, everything you said is true. Everything we've seen so far from them, you know, in, in coming off that disaster at home to or you know, away to Man City. Um, 
made it very made it seem like a very uninspiring choice. I mean, I think a lot of us feel like Steve McLaren is probably on the way out, but they have now scored six points. Or they, they scored six goals in this game, and nobody has better fixtures over the next, you know, at least the next five weeks. I'd say. I mean, away to Sunderland, you know, which which is a derby, so it's a little trickier maybe. But you know, uh, certainly there you'd expect goals in that game. Uh, home to Stoke, away to Bournemouth, home to Leicester. Yeah, and then and then away to Crystal Palace in week fourteen, which is not a uh, particularly scary fixture either. I mean, it it really is worth considering bringing in. I, I mean, so for me, the the what I'm, you know, I have this this situation right now, which is that I I have hung on to Eden Hazard for far too long, uh, and now he's not even a consistent starter. So I have an eleven million. You know, midfielder who has done oh, nothing. Uh, here. Remember last week when I was regretting having already swapped Hazard for Sanchez? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was all. That was all wiped away when those lineups thought? were announced. Yeah, who would have thought? It Hazard was nuts. Had, yeah, it was a. I, I thought about captaining him. You know, I mean, I, I, I made. I, he actually was my, was my assistant captain this week. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho is just torpedoing that team right now. Yeah, it, it's it's just a disaster. It's just not a team I want to be. You just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, as evidenced by this this nil nil game in the Champions League today. I mean, it's just not. And you know, Hazard and Costa started in that game. Josh, uh, so you you wouldn't even play for Chelsea right now, would you? I wouldn't. No, I would not, Brandon. <laughs> uh, so if I so if I turned Hazard Hazard into Wijnaldum, I would actually have six point five million in my bank, which. Is maybe the most I've ever had in my bank in any given game week. I mean, that would be that would be so much money that yeah. I could actually. You're gonna if, go out and buy a PlayStation Four. I would have enough money to turn Gomez into Aguero. I mean, that's how much money I would have. And you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm not, I've been bad mouthing Costa, but it would be an interesting idea to turn uh, to turn Gomez into um, Diego Costa, possibly. Or I guess the obvious move is to turn him into um, Lukaku. Yeah, so I mean, turn him into something for the yeah. love of God. But Wijnaldum is so he's actually a pretty. I was actually prepared um, before this podcast to sort of say, "Don't do it," you know, invest your money elsewhere, you know, head towards goodbye. Um, but I mean, you know, six goals, one assist, um, four bonus points so far in the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, six point eight, uh, very affordable. I mean, there, there, this is incredible, sort of. Like just sort of a band of of mid price midfielders who who you want to have right. I mean, like there's a kind of a template in place right now, which I think is that you want you want Sanchez and then you want a whole bunch of these mid price midfielders. I mean, right, right. If you had the money, you I, you know the Mares situation is is something we all have to monitor now. Um, I mean, I'm not inclined to bring him out given how I well mean, he's he, still getting so, points. He got four yeah. points off of one half. And given how we started the season, I mean, you have to keep the faith a little bit. Obviously, if he's if he's going to come off the bench for if it happens even one more week, I guess that's probably yeah. You know, you got to get get rid of him. But you right. know, home home to Crystal Palace, away to West Brom, home to Watford in the next three fixtures. Um, yeah, Mares is har- hardly a concern right now because I think pretty much everybody who has him still stands to turn a profit if you if he drops a little bit in value. Yeah. So, but I think if you if you still had. I mean, the, you know, because Paya, I feel great about. He's at seven point nine. I guess he actually he's at no, excuse me, he's at eight point one now. Uh, I bought him when he was cheaper. Um, I mean, his his run. I mean, Paya. Okay, so well, okay, we'll get to this in a minute when we talk about must own players. But five goals and three assists from Paya so far through nine weeks is absolutely amazing. It is. 
No uh, so, so Newcastle. So, are you thinking about bringing anybody in? Is there anybody that well, that I, this turned may... your head a little bit, uh, price wise, or in terms of stats or anything else? Yeah, this could be me just playing devil's advocate. But if you look at um, the six goal haul that City had against Newcastle a couple weeks ago, the story there was, of course, how well Aguero played, and he, he looked amazing. N- n- Hardly anybody was talking about how terrible Newcastle was. I mean, maybe that was just assumed. But then watching this Norwich-Newcastle game, I could say that Newcastle was incredibly flattered by how absolutely slapstick comedy the Norwich team organization and their defense was. And <laughs> but Two assists from Martin Olsen, by the way, on Newcastle. Yeah. How, how weird was that? That was weird. He looked very dangerous on the flank. And like I was saying about Sissoku and the the commentators on NBC made sure to highlight this, too, that even though Sissoku was um, like pulling assists out like he was giving kittens away, he was at he was at fault for leaving Olsen wide open on those wings to put in those crosses. Yeah. Um, This is why Sissoku has never made the move to a larger club. Oh, yeah. I think he's quite happy where he is. Um, I mean, did you see how pleased Poppy Cisse was to be coming into that game? He, he's just like, hey, it's a party. This is great. Hey, um, we'll, we'll always have Poppy Cisse's bananacle against Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, seasons, that, and that season. Seasons change. That goal is eternal. Uh, seasons change. What is that uh, That band? Um, <laughs> future uh, future <laughs> Islands. He is the, he, Poppy Cisse is the Future Islands. Yeah, we'll, we'll, always, we'll always be waiting on him. <laughs> <laughs> but that season was the Newcastle season. You had Dembeba and you had Papi Cisse basically battling it out for who was going to be the top goal scorer week to week. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I, but any, anyway, the yeah, the so, point there okay. is, I still can't, I still can't be trusting of Newcastle. Uh, well, but, but, but to, yeah. to ultimately come around and answer your question, I would put forward that Mitrovic would be the one to buy at six point two. Um, all the pundits point to his attitude, which seems to be tremendous. Uh, he plays hard. The goals he's gotten this season have been incredibly well taken. The way he chest controlled that um, cross for his goal against Norwich was stellar. Yeah, he's just he's such a yellow card threat. It was you know two two yellows and a red in the first you know nine fixtures. Yeah, I don't uh, disagree. Then it includes two two games that he had to miss. If you put uh, him, if you put him up against Perez, Iosi Perez, though, I just feel like Mitrovic is just a little more um, looking at think, the at, for the eye test. He just looks a little more class. Yeah, I guess if you were looking to move Gomis and make a bit of a differential move, I actually think I would go with Iosi uh, Perez in that case. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I like, I like the way he looked, especially in that Chelsea game. Um, I mean, this is more of like a, this is like definitely like the. The heart, not the head, talking here, you yeah, know. But yeah. um, I don't know. I, I like him a little bit more. Uh, but when all them, so when all them is an interesting one because um, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. It seems a little rash to you know, this guy scores four goals. Everybody you know makes a move to bring him in. But being that I have this this midfield problem that has to get solved, you know, and I don't necessarily have mainly to being Hazard, mainly, mainly being Hazard, and I don't really have any other pressing moves to make. My defenders are fine this week. My forwards are fine. It kind of, I don't know, it maybe makes sense to make this move. Now, I'm not asking for the general community the out there. Coming up too. I'm not asking for the community out there, Josh. I'm, I, I'm just asking for somebody who may be playing head-to-head against you next week. Would you consider <laughs> burning four points this coming week in this move? 
Like, because because if you go Hazard to an Aldum, you've got a lot of cash there to upgrade somebody else yeah. in a major way. Well, I I don't know. I mean, the Gomez thing is so frustrating, obviously, uh, and Gomez is definitely gone starting in week eleven. But I think. Um, I kind of like that away fixture at Aston Villa. I know. It is painful to look at that because I have both IU and Gomez, and Swansea just looked completely finished against Stoke yesterday. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that team. I mean, they were, they were so dangerous at the beginning of the season, and now it just seems like, you know, things are falling apart a little bit. Uh, I thought Gomez looked better in this game than he did in the home game to Tottenham the week before. Yeah, he's just, uh, I don't just know. very isolated. Yeah. And you do wonder, Sigurdsson came in in the second half. They seem to be missing that link between, I mean, Shelby does as much as he can to get forward. Yeah. But there's still no proper link play happening there. Yeah, that was that was a very, I, I happened to, I, I turned it on for the first two minutes just to, just to kind of see how, see what the formations look like. And yeah, all I saw was Bojan look like, Lionel, I mean, like it was a Lionel Messi move, like all the way through, like just like, br- like you know, this little guy like brushing everybody off. <laughs> I mean, absolutely schooling Ashley Williams, who yeah, you know, Williams. Who we've 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 sung his praises on yeah. many many podcasts. Yeah, he went into that tackle like he thought he was going in against Wayne Rooney instead of a, bar- <laughs> a former Barcelona player. It was it was bizarre, and then he got a yellow later. He was just he was all fired up for that game. It was, it was almost like Dwight Gale in that Crystal Palace game. Just <laughs> I think the international break gets to some of these players yeah. too, and they're just like ready to you know get back out there. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I continually be negative, but I do think the Swansea defense on that play flattered Boyan a little bit, and Williams kind of just got sucked in. And yeah, but that was a clear penalty. No, I do not argue that at all. I'm I'm yeah. not arguing. Nor did that. Williams actually. Yeah, no. I think Williams basically. Yep, that's a penalty. Yeah, no, that was a that was a great call, and I don't want to discredit Boyan from drawing that foul, and it was well deserved. But he found so much space, which is a a skill, but b it was given. It was almost given to him. Yeah, I mean, it's it it was you know the first few weeks of the season, Swansea seemed like a team where they were, you know, they were they're great in the sum of their parts. I mean, individually, it's not it's not a team that that blows you away right, you know right. i mean it's you've got players like segretson who you know is a very good player but you know it's not like he was he was he was good last year but you know um he certainly had, certainly isn't consistent as evidenced by his time at spurs right yeah no it, you know. it's true yeah so AU looks fantastic still he looked good in this game he did he 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 certainly has is has the highest work rate on that team right now yeah um, so we talked about how we feel about Newcastle, and we've talked about what the essential players, who the essential players on Newcastle might be, um, which takes us to our next burning question. Now that Aguero, um, some might say the only essential player in the FPL right now, is out of the spotlight, are there any essential players that we need to have in our team at this very moment? Yeah, so the two immediately spring to mind. Um, and again, like we're going to be talking about very obvious options here, but um, the first right, one is, right, the, the, yeah. the, the signal here is essential. Yeah, these are not the um, diamonds in the rough or whatever. But the first one is uh, Alexis Sanchez, who I think is absolutely essential, right? Especially, I mean, you know, at his price, if you have him and Alexis or him and uh, Aguero, um, that, that can create some problems. But without Aguero, there's no reason not to have Sanchez. I mean, he's he's the number one most essential player in the Premier League right now. Agreed. He had a bit of a rocky start to the season, but it's 
it's been made very abundantly clear that that was just a slow start, and now he is backfiring in all cylinders. Absolutely, uh, and so aggressive, and in shooting more. I mean, he and Mezzadoza both actually are, are really uh, shooting a lot more. Yeah, I feel kind of lucky that I ha- I was in some way forced to stay the course with Ozil and ended up with both Sanchez and Ozil in my midfield, which you know could be sort of uh, betting too much on Arsenal, but um, yeah. right now they both are integral to that attack. Um, you know, it pains me to say this, but I, I think that Jamie Vardy is approaching essential status too. <laughs> Another guy I happen to have in my team. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't, and I, I have the same dilemma that you had, which was that I, you know, I have to, I just have to do some surgery in order to bring him in. I have to drop, uh, you know, I never, you never want to make a goalkeeper transfer. Uh, but I guess I could get rid of Wes Morgan and, uh, use that money to, I don't know. It's, it's not a money thing. It's a, it's a, it's a squad issue. Right. Um, so I, I, it just seems like, I mean, you know, eight goals in six games for the yeah. love of God. And we talked about stats in the, um, and that, and, and that's not like a Wijnaldum sort of, he got like a million goals in one game and, and none in the other. Right. So just based on everything that we looked at, we looked at forward stats a couple weeks ago. Um, he is absolutely central to that offense. Uh, a more reliable player at this point, given that we don't necessarily know if. Um, oh, yeah. Mares, the, the tables have totally turned and Mares is yeah. is expendable now. Scardi yeah. is not. Scored two, uh, probably could have scored more. I mean, he looks, he very much looks like the Charlie Austin of this year. I mean, yeah, he, he's, Scott, kind of, he's kind of waiting a few weeks, like who's going to be the, you know, I think everyone's been looking for the Charlie Austin, the Harry Kane type, and mm-hmm. he's still only 6.9 million. I mean, he's, he's still cheaper than Gomez. <clears throat> yeah, it's incredible. That, that, I mean, he's, he's skyrocketed over the weekend, and that price is going to keep going up, 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 because I think he's going to linger there on the, the top three strikers for, you know, the next yeah. few months. I mean, he he was added by five hundred thousand people um, between game week seven and eight, and then another two hundred forty one thousand last week. So <laughs> it, he is now owned by something like a third of the league. It is a testament to how sensational the Pele performance was against yes. Chelsea. Yeah. That that all of the talk going into game week nine was Pele, Pele, Pele. Get him in. You got to get him in. And Hart and Vardy sort of missed out there. Yeah, I, Even I don't though, know. It's not yeah. like nobody was talking about him, but... but and again, it's it's only one game, so, you know, Vardy scored, Pele didn't. It doesn't mean that, that you know, over the long haul that, that Pele isn't a more valuable person. I mean, as, you know, given, you know, all, all you know all of the attacking stats, it looks like Pele is absolutely central to that offense. We know that he's going to be, you know, getting assists from, um, from Mane and from, uh, and from Tadic. And, um, you know, so, I well, don't know. Is I, he I, essential? No, I don't think he is essential. No, um, but I'm just saying that I think that um, Jamie Vardy seems a little more. I mean, part of what makes him essential is his price. You know, if he were an 11 million forward, then you know he wouldn't be as essential. I think. But given that you can bring in someone that cheap, and then that money can be spent to build an even stronger team elsewhere, and given how consistent it looks like he is going to be, right? I mean, he scored he scored nine goals, and those nine goals are spread out over. You know, it looks like seven games. Right. You know, it's been actually he scored in every game since game week four. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just in, in two goals in two of the last three games. Yeah. So it's just it's really it's killing me not to have Vardy right now. <laughs> OK, so we've got Alexis and we've got Vardy. You mentioned Pyatt. So Pyatt is is put into the uh, essential I, category. 
he's pretty close, I would say. And, you know, part of, I mean, just think part of what makes him essential again is that, you know, for $8 million, you're getting a player who just seems to have a nose for, for goal, a nose for, you know, both scoring goals and getting assists and racking up bonus points. That, uh, he's picked up 12, 12 bonus points in the first nine weeks of the season so far. Yeah, and that goal that he that he scored against Crystal Palace in the dying minutes was a dagger in the heart of anyone like like me, who I still just smell the slightest hint of eau de bandwagon on him. <laughs> uh, that goal it was just it was just a dagger, and it's yeah. I, I, it was it reminded me of the Harry Kane game against Chelsea last year, where he scored a. He scored two goals and had two assists, or did he, he score a hat trick? Whatever. That yeah. was that was the game in which I was like, "All right, got to get Kane in. Enough of this." So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm undecided as to whether to bring Payet in, but yeah. but the the bandwagon smell is gone. Yeah, I think he's pretty close. I think Mares has lost his central status because we just we just don't know if he's going to be starting every week. Yeah, uh, certainly. You know, so this stuff is all subject to, to change. I, I don't think there are any defenders that I would classify as essential. I mean, Hector Bellerin is starting to make an argument for himself. Um, you know, yeah, you, yeah I don't know. If Arsenal can keep the run of clean sheets going. Then yeah. I'd say I'd say most definitely five, Bellerin. Five, yeah, five clean sheets in the last seven games. Um, but and, this has uh, been the story of this season. Yeah. Clean sheets. I mean, since uh, Man City went off the boil defensively, there's no guarantees anywhere. Yeah. So I think. Um, I okay. So maybe no. Maybe no. Maybe no defenders. Um, my hill certainly kind of seems essential, but again, how often are you making goalkeeper transfers? So. Yeah. I, I mean, if I you're know looking if, for you know, a if I was playing Brown, a wild, if I was playing a wild card, I would certainly bring in my hill. Yeah. Well, that said, um, Butland, for me, would be essential in my wild card because I think just this weekend he finally went up from 4.5 to 4.6. No, he's still at 4.5. He's still 4.5. Which is just unbelievable to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, he is the informed goalkeeper. I mean, I know he's Stoke is not known for their clean sheets right now, but he's getting crazy save points. He is coming off of a clean sheet. Yep. He's got the start for England. Uh, you've got to bring him in. Yeah, home to Watford in week 10. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. So, okay, Alexis Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got Sanchez. Uh, we've got Vardy. We have Payet. Maybe Payet. Yeah. Uh, any, anybody else? Payet? I think it's Payet. Payet. Yeah. You say the T? I don't think you do. Uh, yeah, I think you gotta have you got to have a double T-E to say. Okay. I took, All right. I took French class in high school. <laughs> Uh, is there anyone else we're missing? I mean, Kabai is starting to feel like an essential player, isn't he? I mean, he, he his price has not changed at all. Yeah, I he has scored nine, fourteen, and nine, and he's still six point five. He is owned by thirteen percent of the league. Yeah, what an incredible! I mean, their next game is away to Leicester. I really, really, really want him in my team, but again, like I had mentioned earlier, my one concern there are all these prices or all these points based on the necessity of getting a penalty for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Well, the, the part of the problem is you're just you're starting to run out of midfield spots at some point. And oh, yeah. Like, I, like, uh, you're, like me this week, I had Sanchez, De Bruyne, Ayu, Mahrez, Ozil. So I'm going to bench either Ayu or Mahrez, and I ended up benching Mahrez. But I think a lot of people are having this problem where we're used to having an expendable fifth midfielder, one that right. – that is probably guaranteed to start, but is going to be of yeah. the Westwood caliber. I am of the opinion that a 
that I, I don't like to put myself in that position. I, I just I like to have a cheap a cheap fifth midfielder because and part of it is I don't like the stress of it, you know, <laughs> like just the 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 endless decision making that you have to do when you've yeah. got a, an expensive fifth midfielder. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm not. I, I'm just I, I'm so naturally inclined to play three forwards. It's so hard for me to to break from that from that yeah. mold. Yeah. Um, and I you know it's and you hear a lot of a lot of people are like, I, you know, often like I feel like if I'm trolling through like the fantasy football scout, um, like the um the chat sections or whatever, you know, and people are always talking about like fifth midfield or third forward rotations. But in my experience, those don't really work they, because the problem is it's, it takes a lot of courage to, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, like, let's say you've got a forward, like a, a cheap forward, like a Perez or something like that. Uh, and they score two goals in a game, right? Like, so Perez is 10 points in this game. Okay. He scored ten points in the in the in the Norwich game, so I believe if, you. If, if you're working out for rotation, you're you know, and you're you've got the you got a player that you want to a fifth midfielder you want to play more in the next fixture, you're benching a guy who just picked up ten points, which is you know, so you're you're, you're sort of rejecting you're rejecting form for fixture right off the bat, right? And I just feel like that is very hard for me to do. Like I, I, you know, I just like once someone's scoring, I want them to, I want, I want to play them all the time. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to hold to my rotation. And so it's hard for me to, to stick with the plan. Yeah. So we've kind of stated the obvious in picking the essential players. I would also put forward, this is kind of like picking your favorite street fighter character. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm a Ryu guy and I'm, I believe, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, who are you? Uh, I'm Chun Li. Chun Li. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yep. and you believe that her special skills are essential to the way you play Street Fighter? Yeah, that that's fair. It's really. I'm actually. I'm really more of a Tekken three guy, to be totally honest. With oh, you. so we're just playing different games entirely. <laughs> that's which, true. Which kind of makes sense. <laughs> All right. So speaking of games, we're gonna uh, actually we're we're hardly gonna uh, review game week nine here. There was one fixture that I think we hardly hit upon uh, in what we've already discussed on the podcast. Spurs Liverpool, the opening fixture for Jurgen Klopp's Premier League career, and it was a nil nil draw and. Uh, Fantasy-wise, the eye is drawn to the Spurs' defense. Uh, did we learn any lessons from either the Spurs' performance or the Liverpool performance over the weekend? I don't know how much we learned from it, to be from a fantasy point of view. Um, the Liverpool team is, you know, it's just, you know, I don't know. Like, that, that team is so shorn of its... It is so far from 100% right now. Yeah. Uh, given how many players are injured, how so you know, many they, players they lost. Two, I, you know, I can't believe they lost Danny Ings for the whole season. Um, yes, you know, so they lost Ings and they lost Gomez and Sturridge was out. So I, I mean, also it, feel it kind a of made sense that to, we we didn't get to see Ings go out. Like he just went out in training and that's the end of it. We <laughs> no, didn't, we didn't yeah. have a chance to say goodbye. Well, Gomez too, right? Yeah. So just a, just a strange week. Um, I think. Um, it made sense to set up a little more defensively, although I, I would argue that you could make a case that Liverpool had the better scoring chances in this game. I thought um, Divac Origi had a pretty good chance in the first, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of the game. Yeah, they were certainly running around like a house on fire, looking for those chances, looking to throw in those tackles. And they, yeah, it, was, it kind of settled in the last 30 minutes or so. Yeah, I thought they looked decent, though, but it, it does then... Um, Look good for Spurs that they were able to hold tight, and they're they do have the best. What do they have? The best defense in the league, Spurs. Right now? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I like. I still like the Man U defense actually. 
I mean, I mean, I'm talking like uh, quantitatively. Like they've less let in what just seven goals, I think, which is oh, just in terms of the actual like yeah, yeah. Goals, goals allowed. Yeah, yeah, I think they probably do actually. And, to- uh, and Toby yeah. Alderwald, he's at five point two now. He seems to be the favored defender there for Spurs. Um, yep, good good value. We'll we'll score the occasional goal. But uh, they- he was he was a person I had actually thought about bringing in. Um, instead of a Zabaleta, which, which, ah, you know, it's like in hindsight, it, it was a crazy move. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I just, I just, I just outthought myself. Yeah. I, the problem with Spurs here is that they have the classic sort of mixed bag run coming up. The highlight of that game though, by far was the moment when Adam Lalana got subbed off. Did you see this? I, yes, I did see it on Twitter. It was, uh, <laughs> he, someone joked that he, someone on Twitter joked that he, he gave he gave Klopp a hug like like a kid who only sees his dad on the weekends, like for like a few hours in the weekends. It was like this full bodied. Like it was a crazy. Like he hadn't done anything in the game. Like he was. It was a nil nil game. It was still in doubt. Uh, it was like this. It was just such a like a valedictory. It made no sense. Uh, what, what, like what what was I don't know what was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the ten o'clock round of fixtures was completely insane. There were six games going on at the same time. I hardly knew what to watch. Yeah, um, it was a little, little overload after after two. And so much, yeah, so much scoring. And after after two weeks off, I was just I was so amped up. I actually I think I was a little overstimulated. <laughs> yeah, we were talking we were talking before we started the podcast about how this weirdly was a week where we were amped up, but probably paid the least amount of attention to all the games. I think it was like a yeah. I think my brain like it was like a stress management thing. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead to uh, game week eleven, our Everton target week. I watched mm-hmm. the first half of Everton Man U and. It left me completely clueless as to whether or not that investment is really happening. Like, I thought you I, were joking about watching that game. No, no, I felt <laughs> like I felt like the the fan was the FPL manager was probably not watching Everton menu, just a pure watch. But it was a pure watch, and yep. it was really kind of like watching a kitten get kicked. Uh, poor Everton, they uh. they were just weirdly outclassed. There. Yeah, that that was a that's a strange result. I I guess you can blame some of that on the break. I guess I don't know. That was a, that was a very strange. Yeah, I, I guess Man U had something to prove after the Arsenal game. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 think I watched we'll... the Man City game with delight. Uh, that was it was amazing. I mean, Boney scored one of the easiest goals you'll ever. score. That's the kind of goal that a striker needs to 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 like get back into form, right? Yeah, you, you know, he, had, he hadn't scored all year. Uh, he gets Adam Federici drops a ball. He basically like lays a ball into his lap and just, <laughs> just, he's just like, if you just move forward, it'll be a goal. Like just hey. like, don't even like kick it. Just move your body forward and you're going to score a you ball. You can tell that Federici trains with Arthur Burich uh, and they, they just have drills that they run of how to yeah. gift goals to that strikers. A, apparently Burich was injured in the warmups. So I mean, Federici had no, you know, no, no warning at all. So I, I don't blame him too much. No, uh, how but, could you? Uh, but yeah, I was delighted. I mean, I had excited. So I wouldn't blame him like I blame a guy like Ruddy. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was watching most of that game because I, I you know I wanted to see if my bony pick would would work out. Uh, crazy stupid uh, against the run of play goal from Glenn Murray, which uh, <laughs> immediately destroyed my my like little Zabaleta punt. Yeah, and as was pointed out on the at Hell Cheaters Twitter feed, uh, dumb Jesus Navas robbed me of a Joe Hart assist. <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. That guy cannot score. It's, it's it's like he made like some sort of like Mephistophelian deal. Like it's like he like can get everything in the world that he wants, <laughs> but he cannot score a goal. Well, look at Pellegrini. That guy probably is Mephistopheles. 
Uh, that's true, actually. He's like a weird, like, half vampire, half demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think I think the uh, aftermath of a lot of these Game Week 9 fixtures is going to sort of come out as we preview all the fixtures in Game Week 10. So what do you think? Should we just jump, jump into let's, what's coming up and yeah, jump into the optimizer? Let's jump into the optimizer. Let's do our preview. Okay, so um, first fixture. Oh, no, 7.45 a.m. Uh, fixture for all of us on Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, I get to sleep in this week. What a relief. <laughs> I'll get up and make the coffee for a change. Because usually that's, it's actually twisted in my household. Like I wake up at 7.45, um, but I just turn the game on on my, my tablet device. Mm-hmm. And, and then at some point my wife gets up and she then brings me coffee and that's the point at which I start to feel a little guilty. Yeah, right, right. No, I, th- I think that's fair. That's you got to like run out in between the ten a.m. games and the twelve thirty, and like yeah. get a get you know bagels for the household or, or some drop off the laundry. <laughs> drop off the laundry. <laughs> All right, so we're doing some chores before this ten a.m. round of fixtures. Uh, who's up first? So Astavilla Swansea is the first fixture. Uh, this is one. So I'm, I'm planning to keep gummies for this game, uh, kind of against my. Better judgment. Yeah, which would uh, be the most unhappy stick uh, in this season of the FPL, in my opinion. I don't know why I feel rationally. This this is like a, this, this week's all about like going back to the heart a little bit. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of I'm regretting. You know, not I'm I'm regretting my decision to to not captain Sanchez. I I just feel good about Swansea in this game for some reason. So there's no like. Yeah, there's no, there's no good reason to, based on how they looked against uh, Stoke at home. But that, this Aston Villa team is reeling, and uh, Tim Sherwood, like he's probably on the block at this point, you know, to get to get fired. Oh, without a doubt, I would say if if they lose this game, I mean, how, he's got to be like within a hair. Well, they they won't they wouldn't have won for the first you know they they would have not had not had a win for the next nine weeks after an opening week win at a Bournemouth team that suddenly doesn't look very good at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly based on injuries, to be fair, but still. Yeah, it, it is a tough call. I've got Ayu and Gomez, and like we said, Ayu still looks very dangerous and hardworking, and he nearly had an assist for, for my main man, John Joe. It's got to hurt you a little bit to have Ayu right now, right? I mean, you've got to be, like, at least a little tempted by by Paye and by... Um, Kabai. Kabai, yeah, even one of them, possibly. Yeah. So the dilemma there is having Ayu and Gomis, uh, the the more fruitful transfer would be to bring somebody in for Ayu. Uh, like the replacements for Gomis seem a little riskier. Right. Well, the problem is that But Gomis is, looks more terrible. Ayu is more valuable when Gomis is playing better. Right, because yeah, yeah he has he actually somebody that asked him. Yeah, this is this is what what is making Wijnaldum valuable right now is it seems like everyone on Swans or on Newcastle is is up for scoring. Uh, yeah, it also looks like Wijnaldum Wijnaldum is basically willing to run into everybody else's channel and take the goals that his teammates yeah. ought to be scoring. I like that Paye does that too. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't have anybody on Aston Villa. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start any. Do you still have any... Micah Richards in your back line? Yeah, I do. You know how hard it is to get rid of a 4.5 million defender. Yeah, that's like Robert Huth, who's just like chilling, eating nacho chips in my yeah. in my or, on my bench. Wes Morgan, who's also on my bench right now, and just 
preventing me from ever bringing in. Uh, <laughs> well, well, speaking of the hot garbage that is Leicester's defense, they're the next uh, fixture. Yeah. Leicester they, versus Crystal Palace. Yeah, Crystal Palace. Uh, they, you know, they did end up losing that game. Uh, they still look pretty good. I thought, I, I, you know, from the highlights, I, I wasn't watching most of that match. Yeah, they'll be a team this season. I believe that you'll never really want to bet against, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm really. I mean, just those uh, all their midfielders are kind of exciting right now, and and worth keeping an eye on. But Kabai at six point five is just such a oh, so valuable, uh, and you would really expect him to have points in this game. I, I would be shocked if Kabai didn't do something in this match. Right. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, you know, Grant. To be fair, I mean, I I don't think he has any points from open play. Um, I think that. Uh, let me see here. Is that? I I think he's got uh, at least one goal from open play. But in the last well, the last three games he scored, he has three goals. Uh, let's see. So he has – okay, so he had a goal and an assist in the West Brom game. Um, and was the goal he scored against Norwich in week one a that – was, that was a goal from open play. That yes. At the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. So but the last three games, three goals, not from open play. Uh, is doing other things. Um, so he's picking up bonus points regardless. Um, he has two, three, and two in the last uh, – um, three fixtures. So, yeah, Kabai is someone I'm really tempted by. Um, Hazard to Kabai is something that I would I would consider this week as well. Yeah, curious to see how Vardy looks in this game because uh, uh, Crystal Palace very organized. These teams should be evenly matched. Would you consider captaining Vardy in this game? Uh, that's a tough call. Um, I mean, I know that Sanchez is the obvious or the the kind of tempting captain choice this week, but yeah, I mean, it's not. You know, I mean, Sanchez is not Aguero. I mean, you know, there's there's argument you made for. Yeah, you elsewhere. Yeah, and Everton, Everton Probably. have been a tough team to crack. I think that the other. I mean, really, when you look around at the other options this week, I'm not sure who sticks out as an obvious captain choice. I mean, you know, I think captaining someone like Gomez would be really risky. Um, you know, I don't know that I want to captain a Southampton or Liverpool player in that game. Man U, Man City, I wouldn't be inclined to. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, the one person we didn't talk about at all was um, uh, Erickson on Spurs. And um, he's kind of an interesting midfield transfer and possible captain choice away to Bournemouth. Yeah. Wow. I mean, God, Christian Erickson. Do, do we have to talk about him? <laughs> it's He's just I guess it's just that's just he, he's just not worth having. Right. He's just not quite consistent enough. Yeah. And you just have to like. It's like he scored those two goals uh, against Swansea a couple weeks ago. and Nobody batted an eyelash. They kind of didn't, right? I don't even and, think they talked about it on, like, Guardians Football Weekly. That's how little people paid attention. It was just he, – that, that's what he does. Like, if you, if you have a free kick in a dangerous spot, he is probably going to score, and that's kind of what he does. Like, yeah. that, that's kind of the extent of yeah. what he does. I think my current thinking is is targeting that Arsenal-Everton game. Arsenal's coming off of a 2 nothing win at against Bayern Munich. They played, on, they played the early Champions League fixture on Tuesday. So they have time to train and rest before Saturday's match. And they will be supremely confident. Yeah. So uh, barring, any, barring any knocks on the training ground... Um, they could have. They could have some joy. Yeah, <laughs> some joy. They could. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> but I'm getting. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Here. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So there. Okay. So there could be some joy. Uh, Norwich. Joy Nor- could be coming up when we get Norwich to West Brom. Uh, this is like a nil-nil kind of feel to it, doesn't it? I, I would start defenders on both sides in this. Yeah. Game. Uh, I mean, uh, 
George R. Russell Martin definitely burned us uh, with his dragon fire yeah. this weekend, uh, getting completely schooled. <laughs> We're gonna... He burnt himself. He did. He turned the dragon fire I, onto himself. I assume the dragons are immune to their own fire, but that does not seem to be the case. Yeah, we're learning all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. Dan Mercy Mopakani, my boy, uh, continues to get it done. And I, I am very excited about this. Mr. Bob Dylan himself. <laughs> Mr. Bob Dylan. Yeah, no, I... I 5.7. He's got six and six in the last two matches. And now they're home to West Brom. He's also got the weirdest beard-haircut combo in the league. Not a handsome man. <laughs> yeah. by, by my... By my I grew up in the Midwest standards. So I, like, I don't have any taste. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the idea of my lineup starting Craig Dawson against George R. Russell Martin because then, you know, hopefully you know they're going to balance out. Now, right? You just know with two defenders in the same game, it never works out. Yeah, it's true. All right, so then we got uh, Stoke Watford. Uh, feeling very good about Jake, uh, Jack Butlin in this game. That, that one, I, I, I felt a little bad for Watford in that Arsenal game. I couldn't believe that Agala didn't score. He had a well, he had one chance where he really was wide open, and yeah, it was like he like I mean he obviously just got the wrong touch on it with his boot, but yeah, it was, it was like it was such a bad miss. It was like you assumed that something happened, like, <laughs> like you just like you, a red card or like you know like like a bad tackle. It was just, it was crazy. You know you feel bad because there's a lot of people out there with Bellerin, Monreal, and Czech, right? That's part of it. A lot of people have Agala though too. That's well, true. Um, but yeah, that was uh, they just they just they they just ran out. I mean, they they were outclassed. That Arsenal Arsenal looked really good in that game. I mean, they really um, um, yeah. Ozil is an interesting option. I, I don't I don't think I want to go double Arsenal midfield because um, you just know Arsenal being Arsenal, they're going to like they'll peter out at some like, point. Yeah, they're going to lose one nil uh, at home to Everton or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. But I'll be I'm curious to see how Stoke performs in this Watford game because I mean they didn't look great against Swansea, but they did have bright spots mm-hmm. and. You're kind of just waiting for that one turning point with this Stoke team where they do become great. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, and this would be a game in which they could do it. They've had two nice away wins. I mean, I know winning at Aston Villa and Swansea aren't, well, that's one thing to me is a pretty impressive win. Yeah. Liberty Stadium is known as uh, being, having some fortress qualities. Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, I, I, I feel very good about that Stoke team at home to Watford. Uh, okay, so the West Ham Chelsea, All the right. final ten o'clock fixture. So, no, how you feeling about Payet in this? I feel good. I mean, I feel fine. Uh, I mean, you know the West, the way West Ham have been playing these top teams. It's um, yeah, they sit back and then they try to get some points on the counter. And I mean, I, I assume Mourinho will be ready for it. But this has got to be the best time to ever play the Chelsea team, right? I mean, yeah. it's just you, it, you keep thinking that you know, like bad losses, like their nil nil draw today. You know, against uh, Dynamo Kiev is like okay. Now it's gonna like now it's gonna change. You know? Yeah. Now like they're finally gonna come back. They're gonna start destroying teams. But it's yeah. just it's not happening. I mean, uh, apart from uh, the Manchester Derby, this to me looks like the tastiest fixture of the weekend. I'm really excited to see this game. Yeah. The, so there's like another like controversy with Mourinho calling an official. I mean, this guy. Like I love. I, I really like Mourinho. I really admire him. Um, I know a lot of people get sick of him. Like I, I, I have a much higher Mourinho tolerance than some people do, but the but the calling out the penalties thing is just like enough. Like yeah, leading into this let season, it go. yeah, I I used to just um, give him the benefit of the doubt, and I just figured Mourinho was you know 
taking the piss out of everybody at those press conferences. But slowly but surely, he just appears to be losing like a, it here. Bit of a, yeah, I know. And I, I don't know why this keeps happening at every club he goes to. Um, I mean, I guess it actually really didn't at um, – at Inter, he left uh, right, you know, right at the. I mean, he left at the won the Champions League, right? Yeah. Uh, but it certainly happened at Real Madrid, uh, and uh, the first time he was at Chelsea. So, yeah, yeah very strange. Uh, so I don't, you know, I really this is a hard one to predict. You know, I mean, in terms of the actual scoreline, I mean, in terms of you know who you want to have from a fantasy point of view. I mean, I guess you there's no one you'd bench in this game. I mean, no, I, mean yeah. maybe, I guess I would probably bench a. Would you best? Would you if you had a West Ham defender? If you had Jenkinson. Or uh, Cresswell, would you bench them in this game? I would consider it. I mean, I, I, I was just it. thinking Costa seems I, – I, w- I would be happy to have Costa in this game. Yeah, I would too. Um, I I would expect Chelsea to score. Um, I mean, I guess with, with um, Cresswell in particular, you can get assists, but – I don't know if I had like if it was like a fifty fifty thing I would I would lean towards benching the West the West Ham yeah I I'm gonna I'm gonna um, uh, I predict a one nil Chelsea win yeah that that seems that seems like a pretty plausible scoreline I really admire this West Ham team by the way I love that they're they're in fourth place right now that's really nice of you to say <laughs> yeah it is yeah. <laughs> I just like them. They're fun. They're the fun mix of players. It's just like an easy team to root for. Yeah, and Slavin Bilic is, uh, you know, at first sight just looks like kind of a caretaker manager sort of figure. Mm -hmm. But he's really taken hold, and that team is clearly playing for him. He's invested in the club. Change your tune on Bilic slowly. He's he's won you over. All right, so that gets us to the final Saturday fixture, Arsenal-Everton. I love the way Arsenal's playing right now. I'm really planning. I, I would. I would be very surprised if I didn't captain Sanchez in this game. Um, I don't. I, it seems very risky not to captain Sanchez. I mean, I guess um, it still seems very early to me to start making differential captain choices. I mean, you know, you start. You do it too often early in the season, and suddenly you're you're 100 points back instead of 30. You know, <laughs> suddenly you're you're only in the top. Uh, eight hundred thousand, and so well, the top. Well, I had a 000. season like this a couple years ago, where I I stubbornly resisted bringing in uh, Luis Suarez for way too long, and yeah. I kept making these differential captain choices, and he kept scoring two or three goals in every game. Yeah, and I was like, nope, it's gonna it's it's gonna stop, and <laughs> and when it does, I'm gonna move my differentials through, and I'm gonna pick up all these points, and it just didn't stop, and suddenly I was like 160 points back. Yeah, and uh, there was just you know the, the season was kind of over, so. Uh, I know, I, you know, not not to be that dramatic about this Arsenal. I mean, you know, Everton uh, certainly could keep a clue. This could be like a nil-nil game or a one-one game, but um, I feel very comfortable captaining Sanchez in this game. Yeah, I'd like to see how Everton play after the being demoralized by Manchester United, and this is the game week prior to Everton going into their incredible stretch of fixtures. Yeah. So just curious to see how battle scarred all those the players famous, are. The famous stretch. Yeah, yeah. Everyone keeps. <laughs> talking about it, but I, you know. it is true though. It's it's incredible. It's like somebody talking about a foreign investment that seems like it's really going to pop. But you're like, I don't know. I don't really know enough about it. I don't give you my money. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, so yeah, I, I would think like three one Arsenal seems like a reasonable scoreline here. I, I, yeah. I could see Everlin yeah. uh, getting uh, Everlin Everton getting a call. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll look out for this Everlin girl too. She sounds great. <laughs> she's she's awesome. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, on to Sunday. We've got the uh, Sunderland Newcastle match. Um, very, uh, I don't know, the interesting one, right? I mean, it's the first, Absolutely, yeah. first uh, MLS all, match at home. Yeah, Sunderland always have a new manager uh, right yeah. before a Tyneware Derby, and they That's always great. seem to win. They won the last three, maybe four. 
Yeah, give or take. Sounds or about take. right. Mm-hmm. So um, those stats favor Sunderland here. Yep, those stats would favor those, those the kind of stats that don't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Favor Sunderland. <laughs> uh, Newcastle scored six goals against a Norwich team that um, has given up some goals. I mean, they, it's not like they've been shipping goals like a Leicester level. Uh, no, this. I mean, they, they're a generally organized outfit, but mm-hmm. they, they're not watertight. Not watertight. Yeah. I would never say that. Certainly, <laughs> sounds like you uh, just took a took a drink of water as I was saying that too. Just to just sort of throw it in my face. I, we actually we hired a foley artist for this 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 episode. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so God knows what's going to happen in this one, right? Uh, yeah. I, okay. Here's my prediction: uh, three two Sunderland. I think that um, I could see um, Stephen Fletcher. Uh, playing pretty well in this game i could say i don't know i, I just think someone's going to be really revved up for this game and not only is it derby but you know it's kind of like hope springs eternal with a new manager you know and i don't know it's it's disappointing that they lost to west brom away but that yeah it's pretty hard to score a goal in west brom so i i, I have this dream of deandre yedlin scoring a goal in this game and him have just having absolutely no idea how to react because imagine yeah. sweet little DeAndre Yedlin from the Pacific Northwest of America. How many times would Solomon Rondon spin him around if he scored a goal? <laughs> he just... I hope he would drive over from West Brom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I just want him to score a goal and him to just look into the audience with just this look of complete confusion on his face. Yeah, he was on the Men and Blazers podcast recently, and I, I was reminded how much I dislike any podcast that has a current active player on the team. Because there's nothing more anodyne than a player who is like on a team that's currently playing. Sure, the they whole like, both both teams played hard sort of interview. Yeah, they'd never ever want to say anything interesting. Like it's too <laughs> dangerous. It's just not worth it. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll go with your three two. Uh, uh, I've got a I've got a Mitrovic itch going into this game. I'll tell you that much. A Mitrovic. A Mitrovic. Exactly. Uh, all right, Bournemouth, Spurs. I, so the Bournemouth thing is really – it's really tough because they, they just – and this is one of the reasons why I I ended up bringing in Boney is because their center back situation is a disaster. I mean they, they – you know, they're on their they're on their third string center back right now. Yeah. Um, and so if you play a team with a, with a strong forward um, as, you know, as they did, you know, last week against Boney. I mean Boney is not in great form, but he's certainly – he he looked very he was very threatening in that game. Yeah, this and, whole the whole Bournemouth team is a bit of a train wreck right now. I mean, Glenn Murray's yeah. uh, he, he scored a couple goals. He's not looked terrible. But Matt Ritchie has been largely silent. Yeah, uh, their defense, as you're saying, is kind of in tatters. I don't I don't know what it is to get behind in this team. Yeah, so I think that you know I know Kane has not been playing very well this year. I I would if I had Kane, I would consider captaining Kane in this game. Yeah, agreed. Uh, which is a, which seems like very risky given his performance so far, but I I think it's one of the safer picks. Yeah, this is the most interesting transfer game in that you could look at Kane, you could look at Erickson, you could look at a number of Spurs defenders to bring in, and mm-hmm. I think you'd be. You'd be assured of getting points. Yeah, definitely kicking, spots. definitely kicking myself for not bringing in a Spurs defender. Yeah. So I was hinting at their run of fixtures coming up after this coming week. They are their home hosting Villa. Then they have the North London Derby, which is uh, what could warn you off. Then mm-hmm. they host West Ham. Then they host Chelsea. Yeah. So I think that was what, in the end, you know, dissuaded me a little bit. But yeah, it, there's just a yeah. lot, there's a lot to scare you off there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it brings us to the the Manchester Derby Sunday morning slash Sunday afternoon. If you're in 
the uh, country of England. <laughs> Daylight savings time is Daylight happening. Daylight savings time happens. Which uh, is very confusing yeah. for us because <laughs> we look at the Eastern Standard Times here on, at least I do, on my yeah. on my little phone, my little one phone thing app. we're one thing we're reasonably sure of is that a match is going to start on Sunday that features Manchester United, Manchester yeah. City we, playing each other. Hopefully, yeah, we could be five hours behind. We could be four hours behind. <laughs> yep. So uh, the Manchester Derby takes place, and it is it is one I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, even without Aguero, I think that uh, Man City looks very threat. I was really we didn't even talk about uh, Raheem Sterling, I and mean, that that is it turned into a very anonymous hat trick for some reason. Uh, it he did, and get, actually, he didn't even get three bonus points. I can't remember the last time someone got a hat trick and didn't get three bonus points. Well, Raheem, if it was going to be anyone, it was going to be Raheem. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's even more interesting is talking about the essential players, as we were earlier in this podcast. Are there any essential um, Man City players? I mean, a lot, a lot of us have Kevin De Bruyne. Is he essential? Probably the most essential of them, if you're looking yeah. at form. For a player who only got one assist in that match, I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, he was uh, hit, he had a he couple hit the of really woodwork. good saves. Yeah, yeah. Federici brought it as Federici had a very poor game, but brought it at his very best whenever he was playing or whenever there was a shot from Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, which was very angered me. So if, if you were captaining him, yeah. <laughs> so I I'm going to predict a Man City upset in this game, even though I know Man U just won two nothing and looked good. I'm going to predict a. Uh, 2-0 Man City win. And you would even call that an upset. I think so. I mean, it's 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 at, it's at Old Trafford. Right. Um, okay, Man- that's fair yeah. enough. I, yeah. I accept that. Yeah. I mean, Man U and Man City are two points separated in the, the league right now. And, yeah, that seems – I think that's enough. That would yeah, be enough. I agree. I, I, I'm having a hard time imagining how the goal is going to take shape for United in this game. Um. I, yeah, would ex- it- I would expect like it would be a, something along the lines of what Martial was doing, uh, yeah. you know, three or four weeks ago. That man, that man, you game was crazy for having like no fantasy implications. All of those goals, yeah, uh, it was incredible. Just it was all these random players connecting on goals. I mean, I don't understand why Ander Herrera doesn't play more often. Yeah, I was just going to say, good. is Herrera like the ultimate um, non FPL factor? Great, like more people have probably have Morgan Schneiderlin in their squad, a a like holding midfielder than they yeah. do Ander Herrera. Yeah, that's true. I'd, so, I'd go with you on that one. I, I, I have trouble seeing. I yeah. think City's going to win. Um, De Bruyne is. I mean, there's like a five percent temptation. Um, it'd be interesting to, to see De Bruyne. If, it'd be interesting to see if Martial starts to come back. I mean, once they play this Man City match, it's been kind of a tough run for Man U. But they're, they're away to Crystal Palace, which I, I suppose could still count as kind of a tough game, um, given that Crystal Palace's defense has seemed to have tightened up a little bit the last couple of weeks. I mean, you can't blame him for. Um, uh, Dwight Yale's red card. No. Uh, but then they're home to West Brom, away to Watford, away to Leicester, home to West Ham, away to Bournemouth, away to home to Norwich. So, I mean, really, starting in week twelve, you have a an Everton style run of fixtures coming up. I mean, you you know, you'd be looking at bringing in a defender and possibly either blunt, blend or, uh, or not blend, <laughs> no no daily blend, uh, possibly. Uh, <laughs> Possibly uh, Mata or um, or Martial. Uh, all right, and then the last match is uh, Liverpool Southampton. Intriguing. Another intriguing, intriguing match. Yeah. Uh, I um, I know I have a Liverpool defender still, uh, Martin Skrtel, who gave me nine points last week somehow. Yeah, I have Nathaniel Klein, and man, that bonus points 
yeah, you you pointed this out to me that it was just the fact that there were like zero crosses at all in that game. Yeah, that all the all the points went to the central defenders. Yeah, exactly. I think and Skirtle hits a ball uh, with his head in the penalty area like once every fifteen seconds. I think is the rate. You may remember that Southampton played a great match here last year where Tadic scored a winning goal pretty late in the game, like 80th minute, I'd say. Huh. I'm having trouble remembering this. Is that the one where he took his shirt off? Yeah, for like 10 minutes. It was like he just had a sh- it was just He like just he played was without his shirt for the rest of the game? <laughs> yeah, he did. That's incredible. It was crazy, yeah. He had a full tattoo of the Southampton kit with his shirt off, so let it go. It's like that Sports Illustrated swimsuit <laughs> issue where the women have, like, the body paint thing going on. Yeah, exactly. It was like that. So I think um, I – well, given how knocked up uh, – knocked up. I don't know. If that's not, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> given how uh, I don't know, injured this Liverpool team is right now, uh, Southampton kind of seems like the better option to me uh, if I were – you know, I would expect a better option in terms of, you know, picking up some goals in this game. So Agreed. Yeah, I think um, I'd feel better about having – I would rather start a – okay, here's a question. If you had a Southampton defender and a Liverpool defender, who would you be more inclined to start in this game? Southampton defender. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, I mean because really oh, – it's, it's actually – it's brother fighting brother in this game. It's Bertrand versus Klein. But, I mean without – because Benteke, is, we're pretty sure he's still out, right? I don't think there's any. Uh, he's he's like at seventy or fifty or twenty five percent now. Yeah, he's still he's got the well he's got the seventy five percent now. But his hamstring injuries, you know, you really can't play anybody until they're fully healed. You yeah. Know? So so let's so if Benteke doesn't start, then you're really still counting on Origi to do something. And uh, I mean, he looked threatening at times in that game. But other than that, I mean, you really you know, Coutinho is one of those players who it's like he only scores great goals. Yeah. You know, so he's only, he's actually only scored one goal this year, and that was that goal in the game week one. Yeah. Um, so I think um, he had two assists a couple weeks ago. But a you know. goal, a goal which bore a lot of unhappy fantasy managers, I'm guessing, <laughs> who bought him immediately afterward. Yeah, I mean, and then he got a red card. And in, in his in the and so in the nine game weeks this season, he actually has attacking points in only two of those game weeks. Uh, the last, the late goal at Stoke, and then in game week seven, he had two assists against. Uh, um, against Aston Villa. Um, so he's only picked up three bonus points all year, too. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not crazy expensive, but, yeah, certainly not a player um, you want to bring in. But I, I feel like this is an interesting match because it'll be cool, interesting to see if someone emerges from that Liverpool team as, as as a Klopp star, you know, somebody that he really either, you know, starts to run the attack through or um, well, seems to be yeah. getting chances credited for him by other players. I don't know. I mean, I think um, why not Lalana? I mean, to this. No, yeah, not even based on the the famous hug, but Lalana <laughs> is is a great attacking player that just never seemed to click under Rodgers. Yeah, I like Ibe. And of course, Lalana. There are a lot of these guys on the Liverpool team playing against uh, their former teammates on Southampton. Lalana Klein. Yeah, that is true, actually. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is kind of a strange uh, twist of this match. Uh, Jordan Ibe got four minutes in this game. Uh, obviously not somebody you want to bring in right now. Uh, but he's a 4.6 million midfielder. So if he started to consistently get some minutes under Klopp, he'd be your, he'd be your, your, your natural Westwood replacement. Yeah, I like Ibe. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I'll... We're both saying I like I like I like Ike, right? <laughs> we got to get those pins made. <laughs> <laughs> we should get those. For, for, for BlazerCon. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, uh, speaking of, uh, we're planning on going to Men in Blazers BlazerCon uh, convention here in New York City, which is happening in mid-November. I think it's November 13th and 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, so if any other cheaters out there are planning to be at BlazerCon, definitely hit yeah, us up on Twitter and, and we'll try and meet up. And we're trying to make some uh, cool little uh, <clears throat> buttons for, for all the cheaters that we can wear, we can pass around. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you have any button suggestions, let us know. Yeah. Or like, like the slogan suggestions. <laughs> so speaking of ways to reach out to us, uh, we still encourage you to join our public league, Hail Cheaters. You can do so at our website, alwayscheating.com. Just hit the league tab there. Also find the league code at our Twitter page. That's at Hail Cheaters. We've got Facebook and Instagram and all that crap, too, so you can follow us there. Um, all right, Brandon. Yeah. Well, good good podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud. You'll find us there. Do you feel so sufficiently optimized, Josh? I do. I feel like we went to the optimizer. I feel I feel good. I feel I feel rested somehow, even though I've I've stood and talked for an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> you record this standing up. I do. Yeah, like a standing desk. That's awesome. That's good mm-hmm. advice to all those all those burgeoning <laughs> podcasters out there. All right. Well, good luck to you in game week ten. Poku forever. Poku forever. Hail cheaters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.